Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, all you guys, what's up? Welcome. I'm Guy, Guy Haberman. We are live on YouTube. It is Thursday morning. Uh, If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe to the channel. Appreciate that very much. This is also a podcast, which you can listen to. If you're watching, the podcast is down in the description below. If you are listening to the podcast, leave us a five-star review. In that review, ask a question. That'll be the mailbag, and we'll get back to mailbag stuff coming up. You can also watch down in the description. Coming up on the show this morning, Eric Crocker from Lockdown 49ers, DB expert, DB coach, is going to join us on the show. He's been uh, talking to people around the NFL, what he's hearing about Steve Wilkes. And I want his take on what the Niners need out of their next defensive coordinator. And from a defensive backs perspective, does Kyle Shanahan now lean away from a DB coach to become his new DC after firing Steve Wilkes on Wednesday? Bunch of stuff I want to jump into. Uh, but the first thing is Steve Wilkes related, and and Crocky's going to jump in in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Um the first thing is Steve Wilkes related because there's been a discussion about scapegoating. If he's a scapegoat, you know, being fired does not make you a scapegoat. It does not mean that somebody else is making you a scapegoat. I don't think the 49ers are making Steve Wilkes a scapegoat. In fact, I think if the 49ers had won the Super Bowl, we still might have gotten here in the end. I don't think Steve Wilkes was going to be back even with a championship, as crazy as that is. How do you part ways with a guy? after winning a Super Bowl, would they actually do that? Or would they say, ah, give it another offseason, give it another year, and maybe then it'll be better. But I don't think this was just a result-oriented decision by Kyle Shanahan, meaning they lost the Super Bowl, they fired Steve Wilkes. That's what some people maybe who don't follow the team week to week the way uh, you know I do, the way a lot of you guys do, have kind of come away with that conclusion that he got scapegoated because they lost the Super Bowl, but that's not what happened. I mean, this thing has been simmering. It's been headed this direction for a long time. And um, I think the, I, I would bet that even had they won the Super Bowl, this is where it would have ended up as crazy as that sounds. I don't know how you do that cleanly, neatly. You really going to fire a guy? Do you find another job? Sometimes, you know, an agent could find a guy, another job. Oh, you know, this is good for me. I want to be closer to family. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how you pull that off without it being a little bit messy. I'm not sure that Kyle Shanahan would care about it being messy. Would he care about, well, the next defensive coordinator that I hire is going to be concerned that even if he wins the championship, he might get fired. I think that defensive coordinator would go, you're going to pay me how much? And I might win the championship? Sweet. So I think this is where it was going. All right. Not a scapegoat. Kill that narrative right now. Um, that's not what happened here. Okay, this goes back to the zero blitz in Minnesota, which we've talked about a lot during the season. We talked about it a lot the last few days as well. Look at this. Chase Sr. from uh, Chat Sports alerted me to this one this morning. Look at this quote. Uh, Now, this quote is from Kyle Shanahan. Okay, for those of you listening, I'll read it to you. But where the tweet comes from is the news. The Warner House is Fred Warner's podcast. Um, I checked this morning. I don't think they've got a new episode, but here is the quote from Kyle Shanahan yesterday on a conference call at noon with reporters. You may have heard this quote already. He said it was a really tough decision because it says nothing about Steve as a man or as a football coach. He's exactly what we wanted as a man. He's a great football coach. But just where we're going, where we're at with our team from a scheme standpoint, Looking through it all throughout the year to these last few days, we felt pretty strongly that this was a decision that was best for our organization. Regular quote about a tough situation. I do think it was tough on Shanahan. I do think he really respected Steve Wilkes as a guy. There's a reason he hired him. He thought, I'm going to take a really smart person. I'm going to put him into this situation, ask him to learn all our stuff and see how that gels. It didn't gel. But I think what's interesting is it's 
coming from Fred Warner's podcast Twitter account. Now, Fred probably doesn't run social for his Twitter account, um, but this tweet went up yesterday at 12.38 p.m. So if Fred didn't like it, it'd be down by now. It's still up. So I think it is reflective. And if you follow this team, you've watched some of the stuff they've said, they've been uncomfortable. Fred Warner during the year, comments were made. Nick Bosa during the year, comments were made. Um, Nick Bosa on Tuesday, this is what Akash Anavarathan, uh, I'm just reading from his post, Nick Bosa spoke to the media. The zone read got us a couple times. We could have been more prepared there. We have to know in crucial situations who's going to have the ball. And obviously it's Mahomes. We could have been more prepared. All right. So Nick Bosa says after the game, we could have been more prepared. Now, I do think sometimes in these situations, you can take what a person says a little out of context, you know, um, for example, or make it more than it is. For example, after the game, Kyle Juszczyk asked, did you know the overtime rules? And he, I don't remember the exact quote, but you was like, no, nah, I didn't really know the rule. Well, then he told Mike Silver, it didn't matter. And then did you see the clip from NFL Films? He didn't know the rule by the time they hit the field because he said it in – there's a clip of Juice saying it in the huddle. Hey, guys, I didn't know, but if we score a touchdown, they still get the ball. So when he stepped on the field, he knew the rule. It turned out what he was saying post game in the uh, fog of war, so to speak, was, yeah, I didn't – I wasn't – coming into the game, I didn't know the rule. Um, but he knew the rule when he stepped on the field. The cameras caught him saying it yesterday. So my point is, like, you can take that quote and say, knew nothing when he stepped on the field, and that's not exactly the truth. And I'm just saying that to give Bosa a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here, because after a game, you want people to honestly evaluate what happened. John Feliciano is another example, right? He gets on Twitter, the clip of uh, Chris Jones cutting loose and giving uh, Brock Purdy too much pressure on third and four in overtime for him to make a play. That clip goes around. Uh, he says after the the game the next morning on Twitter, the wrong if the right guy does the right thing, then this doesn't happen. Spencer Burford says, hey, man, what are you doing taking – putting me under the gun? He's like, I didn't mean it like that. And I don't think he did. I think he was just honestly explaining what the situation was. And uh, you'd prefer for your players not to do it on Twitter. My advice to guys after Super Bowl would be let's just stay off social for a couple of days. But nonetheless, it was just an honest assessment. So I say all that to say this Bosa quote, Maybe he's not trying to hammer anybody. Maybe he's just being honest. But over the course of the year, if you watch Nick Bosa and other 49ers talk, you know that those guys were a little uncomfortable with their scheme. It's that simple. So now they're going to find new a new defensive coordinator. And there's, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on Kyle. But don't make any, don't for a second let anybody run with the narrative that like somehow Steve Wilkes is shouldering all this blame and Kyle Shanahan's getting away unscathed. The one thing I know. Around these 49ers, Kyle Shanahan's never unscathed. Kyle Shanahan gets all the heat. All right, uh, let's talk about Steve Wilkes. Maybe some names for what comes next. Get a real defensive mind on this situation and figure out. One question I have for Crocky is going to be, uh, is Kyle going to be afraid? Is Kyle going to shy away from any defensive coordinator with a background with defensive backs? Maybe Crocky's a candidate for the job. From uh, Locked On 49ers, a lot of you have been asking for this collaboration for a long time so it's great to have them live from stockton california ladies and gentlemen crocky eric crocker good morning what's up crocky how you doing man good good morning how are you doing i'm doing great thanks for jumping in on the show this morning of course of course we've gone back and forth in in dms and stuff for a while so i think it was inevitable to get us on at the same time at some point <laughs> yeah i think so too and uh this actually started because of a dm you and i were dming and uh i was like why don't we just i'm tired of texting why don't you just come on the show and talk about <laughs> it so here we are um before you came on i was just saying there's a difference between firing a coach and scapegoating a coach i don't think steve wilkes is getting scapegoated i think this has been a little inevitable i actually think if i had to bet crocky i'd say he and this is weird. This gets messy. Even if they win the Super Bowl, we might end up here with him getting replaced. What's your take on all that? Uh, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo completes that pass against Emmanuel Sanders, does that erase how people truly felt about his abilities to maybe do it again? And I would say, just like Jimmy, mm -hmm. the answer will probably be, no, I don't think it erased everything. I think there would still kind of be those doubts on just the – caliber and type of quarterback he is. I would say it's the same for uh, Wilkes in this situation with Kyle Shanahan. 
I don't think it was a one game thing. And there are a lot of people that are kind of alluding to that. Uh, It feels like, like you said, uh, as I was coming on, there was more of a disconnect throughout the the season. Now, Now use the word scapegoat. And I would say the only time I felt like he was being scapegoated was during the three game losing streak where it's like, well, the, the offense is only scoring 17 points in each of those games, and you kick the defensive coordinator out the booth and put him on the field. I felt like at that time they were kind of putting the blame on that situation more so on him, but clearly there was a disconnect, whether it was during those games or through the entire season with not just uh, Wilkes and Kyle Shanahan, but you know Wilkes and maybe the players as well. Yeah, did you think him coming down from the booth to the field, you've called defense. Are you, are you wearing, is that your school that you're wearing the jacket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I coach at Edison High School. In okay, Stockton. Edison Stockton, not Edison Fresno. No, but I uh, I actually lived in Fresno my freshman year. I went to Sunnyside, and we got crushed by Edison in Fresno. So I'm, I'm familiar Tim with McDonald's them as well. coaching them then? I don't think Tim McDonald was there, but I did come across Tim when uh, he was the defensive back coach when I was with the Jets. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, did you think him coming down from the booth to the field, Matt, w- was, made a difference? Did that ultimately do anything? Hell no. Nah. Like, I, I mean, no, it, it may make a difference if that's truly what the players just wanted. Like they mm. felt like if he's there, I'm going to play better. But during that time, you know, I coach at Edison High School and we have a lot of really good coaches on our staff. Uh, one being my guy, Lavelle Hawkins. Right. So that day I went to each coach and I said, do you think this is will make a difference? And what do you think about it? So I went to Lavelle first and Lavelle Hawkins said, ah, like, it doesn't matter. And most coordinators he's been around have been up in the booth. And, you know, he played with Tennessee Titans for several years. He he was with the Niners for a little bit, uh, the Chargers. He didn't think it was that big of a deal. Then I went to my guy, uh, Desmond Bishop. And Desmond Bishop, he's our defensive coordinator. And he played with the 49ers. He also played in the NFL for nine years, won a Super Bowl with Green Bay. And he said he actually prefers to be in the booth. And he didn't think it would make a difference if the guy went down to the field. Like at the end of the day, it's about execution uh, more so than if a coordinator who sees the field better from up top and has a better feel for it. And if that's where he's comfortable, it's best he's there. And our head coach, Booker Guyton, who had been a coach for a really long time uh, in high school football and college. And he said, if it, when you move him down, he felt like Wilkes time is up. Mm. That was his initial reaction. He said, uh, you move him down and take him away from something he wants to do, you're likely grooming someone else for the job. So that was his initial reaction at that time. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. I mean, I want to get to with you, like, are they do they have somebody in-house that's groomed or not? But just what, what was your take this year from a defensive standpoint? Because I think the first thing you said there was, that was my read on it, that he came down to the field because that's what was going to make the players feel more comfortable, right? Fred Warner's like, I don't want to talk through somebody on the sideline who's then in the headset, who's then talking to Wilkes. Like, I need him down here so we can make adjustments on the fly. Nick Bosa, member had the comment at one point during the year, like, well, you know, he's still adjusting to what we do here. Um, so the players kind of have the same attitude that, that Kyle Shanahan had coming into the situation, which was, well, you need to adapt to us, not the other way around. Um, so, I mean, did you feel like there were problems? Did you understand? I thought, you know, it's funny. We'll answer that question, and then I'll ask another question. Did you think there were – as you watched it, did you see problems? Uh, I always felt like the defense wasn't as bad throughout the year as a lot of what I'm seeing on social media. Uh, you know, I do think there were some moments, and, and you know, even if you just go back a few weeks and go to the Lions game and kind of what that looked like in the first half, and it almost felt like there wasn't an answer for it, right? Um, I've seen some coaches with the 49ers kind of go through that same thing. I remember a game, D'Amico Ryans was coaching against the – uh, Arizona Cardinals, and this was when Kyler Murray was out, so they were playing with Colt McCoy, and it almost felt like D'Amico had no answer for what uh, the Arizona Cardinals were doing in a, in a uh, uh, Kyler Murray-led team. But more times than not, you felt like D'Amico Ryans had a good grasp, and I felt like more times than not, Wilkes had a good grasp on attacking opposing defenses I mean offenses now was it to the extent of a team that was going to be number one in every category you know maybe not and I've seen some DVOA numbers thrown out there or uh, yards per play or EPA or whatever that stuff means but overall just watching it with my own eyes I felt like more times than not I was not uh, upset or not pleased with how the defense had performed in most of these games you got to give them credit they're 
there's Diamador Lenore got better this year. I thought Ambry Thomas got a little better this year. Now he didn't end up, he didn't play in the end. Isaiah Oliver was his guy and he got completely phased out. Right. Um, but I, you know, the, the, the tough part, not the tough part, but like the irony of it is I think he's a, at minimum and maybe he's a very good defensive coordinator. I think he's definitely a very good secondary. Like you'd want him on your secondary staff with these young DBs. Those guys got better and you can't deny who Funga getting hurt. So Logan Ryan gets called off a Disney cruise. Cleveland Furl gets hurt. You added two guys on the defense during the year, right? Randy Gregory and Chase Young, both of whom never were able to replace Cleveland Furl as a pass rusher. We kept waiting after they got Chase Young, like, all right, well, I guess he'll start his second week here. And just until Cleveland Furl get hurt, Cleveland Furl clearly was their preferred guy. So you got to acknowledge that they had some inconsistencies in personnel and a lot of moving parts on that defense too this year. Yeah, but I would say that's every year, right? Like, you're going to deal with that. And I think the, the great DCs and the great coaches, they do a great job of being able to overcome that. I think we've seen that throughout, you know, for even for Kyle Shanahan, throughout his yeah. tenure here where, you know, maybe somebody goes down and he figures out a way to overcome that and adjust. You know, I remember his first year coaching and you had Trent Brown at tackle and then all of a sudden Zane Beatles is having to play right tackle, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I think for coaches, you know, being able to or having to, you know, overcome uh, some of the adversities and still be able to, you know, uh, be productive to some extent. That's that's just part of the job. And I think for Wilkes, you know, it is tough. You lose a guy like Hufunga, who is an all-pro, and you want to continue building on what he is. But if he goes down, it's like, all right, we got to get this young guy ready to go. And there was a little bit of a musical chairs there. They brought in guys like Logan Ryan and kind of did this back and forth with Jair Brown, Logan Ryan. I don't know if that messed with uh, the psyche of a young kid who – Jair got uh, hurt too, right? He got banged up. Right, and, and that as well. So, you know, there, there's different things you're going to have to go through, but I, I don't think for this team and what the expectations are, we can't – I don't want to say use that as an excuse for for Wilkes, but you still have to figure out a way to be productive. And I thought in the biggest game, regardless of if it was his game plan or not, whatever that situation was, the 49ers ultimately did what I felt like was a decent enough job to – to potentially win the game uh, regardless of losing certain guys or maybe not getting as much production out of certain guys as you would like. Yeah, I mean, they to me, their offense reflected their defense in the Super Bowl. On offense, they almost made enough plays. And in a couple critical spots, the two third and fours, I felt that way after the game, and I feel that way now, were the two biggest plays of the game. Third and four, you pick up one of those if you're the Niners. Two-minute warning, third and four. McDuffie blitzes. Ayuk's open over the middle. Purdy doesn't get the protection or the throw. Third and four in overtime. Chris Jones comes free up the gut. Jennings is open for a first down. Ayuk is open in the end zone. He doesn't have time because they didn't get the protection right. So in those two moments, if you want to blame Burford, whoever, the Niners, Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, the people in charge of getting that protection right didn't. And Spags beat him. And the same thing happened on defense. Like a couple of critical plays. Mahomes keeps the ball. Niners aren't ready for it. I don't know. You know, I don't know if you know Jeff Schwartz, but he was on the show the other day. And he said, I've watched every snap of the Chiefs this year. They didn't run that Mahomes play one time all year. So he was like, I don't really blame you for not expecting that to come. But um, I asked that question on social media. Someone had oh, really? like, oh, well, they weren't prepared for uh, Mahomes to keep. And I'm like, well, how many times did Mahomes keep on that throughout this entire year? Because a lot of Schwartz times. Said with, never once. And he yeah. didn't think it was a read. He thought it was a straight keep. And that's what my guy uh, Rich Madrid had said on social media. He said okay. it's not a that's not a read or zone read option or whatever. He, he just kept it based on whatever the 49ers did. And I think for things like that, it's hard to account for, right? Like uh, most coordinators, uh, let's say in high school and even at the pro level, typically you you go back about three or four games. Sometimes if you have a little bit more time, you you'll go back further. But maybe preparing for a Super Bowl. I never prepared for a Super Bowl. You may go back even further than that. And if you're going back four, five, six games, seven games, and at no point do you see a guy do a read option, it's, it's hard in the moment all of a sudden to think that they would counter and do something different than anything you've seen over a seven-week, eight-game span. And again, okay. not, not a zone read or read right, option, Rocky. but just ask the you, fact that he would keep it. Let me ask you a really stupid question then. Someone who's not on the field at a high level. Can you not see the ball in his hands? Like if you're Bosa crashing down on fourth and one, right? Bosa comes flying down the backside. Mahomes is holding the football in his hands, right? He's not looking for it. Explain that. I think he's looking to make a play on the running back and tackle, get a nice TFL to seal the game. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's Patrick Mahomes. And if you're looking at the quarterback, then you're, you're likely uh, going to be late to make the tackle. Gotcha. And that's just me viewing it from the yeah. eyes of probably. No, let's coaches. talk about it, like how it actually happens. Um, do you have a take on uh, just Steve Wilkes in general? Like we've talked, we've talked about whether would you have done this? Did you think it was the right thing? Do you think the Niners made a mistake? I think is the right thing based on really if I'm Wilkes, like if I'm Wilkes, get me out of here. You know, if if, if I'm not, <laughs> if I'm not being valued and this yeah. is not me saying that, you know, Wilkes was this amazing DC for the 49ers, but if I am Wilkes and I'm putting myself in his shoes, I probably feel a little undervalued throughout this situation. And maybe it is best for us to just part ways because we just weren't on the same page for whatever reason. Now I reached out to the, you know, a couple of people are part of the Panthers organization. Uh, one in particular, a star player. And I was just confused with the disconnect, right? Like just not getting along with Kyle, just the vibe. Some of the players kind of saying certain things, alluding to it not being a good fit. So I'm like, you know what? What am I missing here? Let me reach out to someone who knows Wilkes very well. So I asked a question and I said, man, I just need your thoughts, bro. Like, you know, I think uh, I think it's wild how he's being treated. Uh, what do you think about Wilkes? Like, do you have just any thoughts on him? And this is, I'll read what he said word for word. He said, one of the best coaches I've ever had, best leader of men I've ever been around, super stand-up guy, plays no favorites and holds everybody accountable. He's just a great coach all around. And if you ask anybody who has ever dealt with him, you're most likely going to get the same answer from everyone. Okay, so high-level guy. High level guy. That, yeah. That's what it felt like. So again, I think it just comes back to however he is. It did not mesh with what the 49ers have been building over the years. Yeah. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast or steak tips in every order for a year. Plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I, I got a surprise for you, Cracky. Uh, this is Will Black. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Will, did you like my analogy yesterday? That was horrible. <laughs> uh, so, well, you guys, I, you guys know each other well. Uh, Will played in the league for over a decade, won a Super Bowl with the Giants. I know Will from doing college football games on FS1. And I texted Will last night. I said, "Hey, you're tight with Crocky, right?" And he replied, "Oh no, what's he mad about?" And I said, no, it's nothing like that. Look, I got to protect my dog. I can't, I, I can't just be like, yo, I, you know what I'm saying? I got to make sure you're good. What happened to him now? You know what yeah. I mean? Nothing happened to him. <laughs> I was like, before, I was like, guy, don't be saying nothing bad about my guy. So that's why I try to. <laughs> he immediately went on the, the, the defensive for you, Crocky. So. Hey, real quick, to go on the defense of both of you guys, I listened to you guys on a broadcast, if I'm not mistaken, college football broadcast, yep. right? Yeah, you do, yep. And I thought you guys were terrific. And I think I talked to Will about it, but I said, man, Guy is really good. Like I'm, I'm listening to how you're calling the game. This is not to toot your horn, horn, but this is a, a real conversation I have with Will. But I'm like, man, guy sounds like he he sounds like a veteran in the booth. Like you were well prepared. Uh, you knew every player. It was like you knew like backstories on the player and certain things. I was like, man, this is some good football talk right here. <laughs> like if I'm just watching the game and I don't know most of these players out here, but uh, great job, guy. Thanks, Crocky. I appreciate you saying that. The thing I'd say about Will is like if, working with Will a few times. You know, you're going to get a good meal. The night before, <laughs> and he's the same I on the eat. air as he is off the air. So I hope people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Will, Will, I so I said to Will, I'm like, Will, why don't you come on and and uh, talk to Crocky and also give us your takes on defense? Will, for people, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing about Will before Will can weigh in on this. So Will coached with the Cowboys this year uh, before the year, and he said this. He he was he told me he's like this guy Deron Bland is about to go off. That was your call before the year. And uh, you're right. You nailed that one. So you're not wearing your Cowboys gear here, but welcome. No, good no gear you. right now. I'm Thanks a for agent. jumping in real quick. All good. I got a few minutes before I take the kids to school. Okay. What's the you got any uh, 49ers uh, takes coming off the Super Bowl? Steve Wilkes? Um, I mean, that's usually when something abrupt happens like that, there's a, there's a disconnect between the two coaches. Um. That's the only time rarely when I see good coaches get let go is because there's a disagreement somewhere within the building. You know, you I guess you go all the way back to, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, right? They had a disagreement. And, I mean, they had everything they need to go win another Super Bowl, you know? Um, and then they had a disagreement, since, hence why Jimmy Johnson just now got into the ring of honor, which is nuts. Um, but they would re repair that. I look at the um, – Marty Schottenheimer and the Chargers, you right? He goes 14 and two and gets let go because there was, I guess, a, just a disagreement uh, amongst the higher ups. So I just, that's the only thing I can come up with in this situation. There had to be some kind of disagreement on how, on how things were operated because it's not like, I mean, shoot, you got the Super Bowl. That was the goal. You know, obviously to win it was the main goal. But it's rare you can just find an, another. I mean, I know that they're three for three right now on on finding good DCs, but uh, this one's going to be interesting how they replace Wilkes. Uh, well, I have a question for you, real quick, and not to hijack the show. No, but no, go for it, Greg. No, this is your, uh, I'm, I'm, it's you. A lot of what I hijacked it. <laughs> what I'm hearing from 49er fans, right? And, and and maybe you can answer this question better than me. You played all over the secondary. You played in the slot. You played in this safety position. You played outside cornerback. So you just have a better understanding of all of it and how it works. But a lot of people saying that Wilkes did not do a good job of mirroring the coverage with the rush. What do they mean by that? Because that's, that's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, I guess calling if I'm trying to make sense of it, because for me, that, that is that is very detailed, I guess calling rushes and I guess games and stunts and blitzes according to how your secondary plays. So, I mean, unless unless you have a really um, like a really good pass rush, you can play, I guess, more zone and, and play with more eyes because the ball is going to come out now. If we don't have great zone coverage, guys, then we're gonna call call more pressures. You know, we um, when I was in Washington, we had you know we had an older secondary. It was like me, it was like D. Hall, it was Golston, it was you know older. We had young corners, but we had older uh, guys in the secondary, and then we had 
you know, undersized linebackers that weren't super fast, but they were really, really smart and, and, and played good football. But um, we had to send a lot of heat to get the ball out. I mean, I remember one time we played the Cowboys and I think Joe Barry called zero, like four plays in a row. <laughs> it worked, but I'm like, at one point I'm like, Hey man, like, like give me a cover two once in a while. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that plays a big part. You know, you look at the old Seahawks defense and I mean, they had, they had guys that can do everything, but they had so many monsters in the front seven um, that they were able to play more of that, that zone um, but they did have linebackers that could run, which Sanford has. But they also, but Seattle also had big corners, all pro corner, all pro safeties. You know, um, and I think Hufanga was a big was a big deal. That <laughs> was a big miss. Sanford should have won a game regardless. But I think just not having him uh, that could play a big part into what they were able to do uh, overall. You know, because he, I mean, to me, he's you know top two, maybe if not the best safety in the NFL and, really? and, and, and missing him um, was huge because he literally, you, when you think of like, you know, Troy Palomalo, you think of, you know, Earl Thomas, like he's, he's in that realm in terms of silent, the sideline off the hash. Oh, he's coming up and, and hitting. So. Wow. He did I some things that I felt like kind of went under the radar and were very underrated uh, for a guy who's not the fastest and isn't pegged as being a coverage yeah. guy. You know, I watched the 49ers really have him on the island against uh, Tyler Lockett with a two way go. And he undercut and jumped the route like it yeah. essentially was like zero. He had no help undercut it he nearly picked it off went off his hands Gibson ended up picking the ball off but just the fact that he had the instinct to be able to undercut that it kind of shows the level of trust that they had in him and having a safety able to do that it definitely makes your defense more versatile uh not having him probably puts you in a bind just a little bit if you can't trust a Jair Brown or maybe even a Logan Ryan guys that are filling in for him yeah and um yeah I mean Troy is his mentor actually you know he is someone that he does communicate with in terms of Troy Palomalo. Uh, but yeah, and I would say the most underrated part of Fufanga's game is is the run defense. Um, when I was in Dallas, you know, I'll go through all the, the pro tapes just on my own casually. And I literally sat in the office and watched this tape for like an hour. And it was just, I was like, damn, dude, like <laughs> people don't realize how good this dude is. Man. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, he, he's legit certified all pro. Uh, Will, I know you, you got to take the kids to school. Crocky's yep. got to get out in like 10 minutes. So b- before, well, I'll let you jump here in a second. Before you go, uh, any, anybody, any defensive coaches out there you love? Anybody that should be a defensive coordinator that isn't, you think? Um, you know what? I think it's, it, it just comes down to personality fit. You know, um, a hot name that's always out there um, is someone I, I like is Chris Richard. You know, he was the the secondary coach for the Legion of Boom. Um, and then he also ended up being the defensive coordinator and then went to New Orleans. Now he went to Dallas, was the pass game coordinator in Dallas and New Orleans. Um, but, I, but you know, he does have a very, very strong personality, but he has a, a tremendous heart. And I think it's hard in our business to, to see the difference um, or to see one and not see the other. But I think overall, just how genuine he is, smart guy, really, really tough will hold everyone accountable um, and first and foremost is holds himself accountable when it comes to uh, anything. But he's someone I I think of um, initially. Um, Everyone else I thought of is is already hired. So Rex, (laughs) Uh, Vrabel, big names. It it depends because right right now Sanford has a little trend, you know, (laughs) You, uh, what are you talking about? You hire you hire my coach, I get a pick. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> going for the minorities. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so far it's been it's been a it, it's been great because everyone has been a actual legit hire. And um, but I think right now they just have to find the the best fit uh schematically in person because you mentioned rex ryan that's another that's another one you know those do the personalities match rex has a great heart rex is a great coach but rex has a strong personality you know um i don't know coach wilkes but he seemed quiet you know what i'm saying and and it didn't work out so all right well we'll let you jump out go check out his website the wine mvp he didn't ask for it but (laughs) he's wearing the hat so (laughs) that's because i need a cut 
<laughs> Sorry. Good to yeah, see you, man. <laughs> Thanks for jumping in. Yes, sir. All right, Will. I... All right. So uh, you were just you were uh, I knew you'd, I knew you'd like seeing Will. And I know you got to jump here in a couple minutes. But um, all right. So you just read us a, a text before Will jumped in from a player who said he's a he's a big Steve Wilkes guy. Your turn before you go. Like, who do you like? Who makes sense out there? You know, Belichick comes up. Vrabel comes up. The only reason Rex comes up is because Rex said on Sunday, I don't know if you saw this, Crocky, Rex said on Sunday that he called Mike McCarthy about the Cowboys job. And it's the first time he's ever called a coach for a job. Um, I mentioned the guy I think is a sleeper is Danton Lynn at UCLA. Now at USC, he's Anthony Lynn's son. He was the DC for a year. You know, it may be a little early. It may be out of of Kyle's comfort zone because he's a college coach, but he'd been in the NFL. He was kind of Mike McDonald. Like he was a Ravens assistant, goes goes to college. Had a lot of success last year. Um, he he got pressure twice as much as he blitzed with the UCLA defense, but they had some really good players. So there's one name. I mean, there's a hundred names. There's all the guys that are still on the Niners staff. So what's what's your list look like? I don't think it includes Rex. Rex is a very strong personality, and he has the utmost like faith and confidence in what he does. Mm. So Kyle, one thing that we know is he has a vision for how he feels the defense should be ran. That's why he hired Robert Sala and brought him in. Like it was very specific. Robert Sala, I want you to come and run this specific defense. You, you know, and I don't think he was the first choice, but eventually when he was chosen, it was you were in Seattle. You came from Jacksonville, like, you know, under Gus Bradley, you know, this defense that I want to run. So we're going to bring you in and you're going to run that defense. And then, all right, at that same time, he brought him in. Well, D'Amico Ryans came in as well. So uh, D'Amico was there from the start with Robert Sala. So D'Amico was able to see everything, be in every meeting and see how everything went, uh, how Kyle likes things, how Kyle wants things. So when they moved out of Sala and went to D'Amico, it was really a seamless transition for a guy that understood Kyle and how Kyle wants to do things. Uh, They went out house and got Wilkes. Clearly, we see just for whatever reason, it didn't quite mesh. So I, if I'm them, and we can talk about Rex, right? Rex, big personality, a lot of confidence. I, I can't see him taking orders from someone on how to run defense. Like, if he's going to take orders from anyone, it would be like, dude, my dad created a defense. You know, like, that was a lot of, like, he would talk about those things in meeting. You know, and I had messaged you about, like, what he is. Yeah. If that superstar or that that star player for Carolina and what he said about Wilkes and and the words that he used there right I feel the same way about my time in seeing Rex Ryan he was You're an amazing 20, th- you were there what well, you were with Rex of the Jets right yeah 2013 yeah uh he was one an amazing teacher first and foremost like the X's and O part he got that and there are some coaches who X's and O's they know those things but being able to teach it and being able to really teach all positions and get people to truly understand how you are doing things and why. Like, that's a little different to see someone to teach at that level. And then the methods in which he went to teach, we'd be sitting in the meeting and he'd say something. And again, if you guys have kids here, cover your ears just a little bit. I'll try not to use bad, bad language, but he starts the meeting off by saying, how many of you guys like bald the JJ, right? And guys raise their hands like, oh yeah, I like ball, you know? And he's like, how many of you guys like a landing strip, you know? So some guys like, yeah, I like a little hair, you know? And then he's like, how many of you guys like that muff? And it's like him and a couple other coaches. He's like, yeah, me and Dundee, we like that muff. So this play is called show muff, blah, blah, blah. Then he goes into the install and kind of like ties it all in together, right? He had a very unique way of teaching, but getting everybody engaged (laughs) and and understanding. Uh, so to see how he taught, but then the players coach, a guy who was at the bottom of the roster, me, you know, on the verge of getting cut every day. And he would, you know, I remember I had to go and I had to get a tooth pulled and he said, Hey, Croc, you know, I heard you had to go get your tooth pulled. You know, like, you okay. I know that had to be painful. And I'm like, Hey, you know my name? Wow. Cause most guys, you know, coaches and stuff, you're, you're a number. Oh, 41, you know, get out there or whatever. So he was very personable. Um, he's a guy that a lot of people would like to have a drink with. He, but he he strongly believes in his ability and his scheme to coach. I don't know if that would mesh well with Kyle, who has his vision on how he wants things done, unless he just says, well, you, you've been so good in the past. I'll just let you do your thing. Yeah. Not sure that's Kyle. So for me, it, 
They tried the out, out of house thing. I think they go maybe back in house. And if you look at a guy like Holland, who has been an LB coach, most of the time LB coaches, I talked about at Edison High School, my defensive coordinator, Desmond Bishop, he's a linebacker. Those linebackers, they understand the back end, they understand the front end. Um, they're really good and well versed with that and understanding how to, you know, whether it's, you know, blitzes and how everything works together. I feel like Holland maybe would have been a good guy to look into last year. They ended up going outhouse with Wilkes. Maybe they kind of go back to him. He's been with this team this entire time. I think he understands Kyle and how Kyle likes to do things. I don't know if he has a game plan and how he would do things and whatnot, but I assume he has some type of idea. Maybe he's someone that they consider. All right. Anything else to add before you go off to uh, drop offline? Uh, nah, man. Just a great show. You know, I, I tune in a lot while, while I go and work out and uh, appreciate appreciate the way that you talk about things from an unbiased perspective. And I think it's it's great stuff. Eric Crocker probably can't be a DC anytime soon. I got to learn from Dez. I told Dez I'm going to show up at his house a few times a week uh, throughout this offseason to learn more about the front end. Uh, yeah. Maybe in a year or two, I'll be ready to uh, join the 49er staff. <laughs> All right. They're very good. Because uh, Somebody here said, uh, how about you for uh, D.C.? You played football in his hometown of Portland. What a dude. We didn't even get to talk about you were in the AFL. Yeah. I, I used to – I started broadcasting in the AF2. Do you remember the AF2? It was a place I, you didn't want to go probably. I, I did not – they would not pay me enough. Like Deion Sanders said, they probably would have had to put me on layaway. I but, think you guys uh, were making 200 a week is what I Yeah. Not, no way I'd do that. But I am familiar with it because Stockton had a team. So yeah, they did. I had some buddies that ended up playing yeah. on the squad. Yeah, but I did play a... in Portland. I, I played in Portland. Uh, matter of fact. What was the team uh, in Portland? Portland Thunder. Okay. Uh, I was the number one overall pick in that draft. And they 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 brought me in. Uh, this was fresh off of being um, let go from the Jets. And I had a good year. 11 interceptions. Uh, you know, was a big free agent after that. And I definitely enjoyed my time. The Voodoo Donuts there, downtown Portland. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I enjoy my time in Portland. Last time I was in Portland, I saw a guy in the bathroom at the airport holding a box of voodoo donuts coming out of the stall. I was like, no, man, no. Not even like, traveling with them, but he didn't have anywhere to put them. I'm like, nah. no. You got to have, you got to leave them out and just say, you can you wash out. these donuts for me? Yeah, you got to leave them out. All right, man, we'll let you get to it. Thanks for jumping in today. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. This was me. fun. All right. There goes uh, Eric Crocker, locked on 49ers. Very cool. Appreciate him. And uh, our guy, Will Blackman, jumping in as well for a few minutes. Got some of your comments to get to as well. But um, there's a few other things I wanted to hit also today. Uh, but before I do that, let me get to a few of the comments because they're uh, Steve Wilkes related. Super chat from Gam and Chris Hewitt, Ravens secondary coach. All right. I'll, I don't know a lot about Chris, but I'll add him to the list. And um, I wish it's too bad. Crocky just missed Danton Lynn with the Jets. Danton Lynn came in the year after Crocky was there, so I could, couldn't ask him about him. Uh, and uh, Gammon says, D'Amico's last year here, he repeatedly outcoached Kyle Shanahan on a weekly basis. I didn't come away with the same feeling from Wilkes. I mean, Kyle, right, obviously. I, I, the, the one thing I would say about Rex, and I agree, Crocky, I mean, the guy played for him. So I would agree, you know, he has a good feel. Um, I do think part of Kyle probably wants to not have to worry about the defense, doesn't want to have to go think about whether or not on the headset the defensive coordinator is doing what he wants. So in some sense, like having a very independent guy, which is not right. Kyle has not had uh, Wilkes came from the outside, both Sala and D'Amico were guys who understood there was a clear power dynamic between Sala and D'Amico Ryans and Kyle Shanahan, right? He was giving them a chance to make their careers. And so there was never going to be any push or pull about, Hey, if this is what Kyle wants, He's tr he just made me a defensive coordinator. This guy's given me my shot, right? You hire Vrabel or Rex Ryan or Bill Belichick. It's a very different dynamic than Shanahan has had. Even Wilkes, right? Wilkes has been a head coach. Wilkes has a different standing in the league at the time than D'Amico, but D'Amico played, and Robert Sala. And he came in and tried to adapt, and, and I would say Pete Carroll's the same. Like all these guys, that's a very different power dynamic for Shanahan and I think ultimately Kyle wants to win a Super Bowl. And I think in his ideal world, he doesn't have to check in on the defense. So I don't know. It, that would be very interesting. I think the personality stuff with Rex would make it a difficult fit. So I agree with Crocky ultimately. But I think Kyle, an independent defensive coach, as long as Fred Warner's good with it, as long as Nick Bosa's good with it, like if those guys are good with it, then Shanahan can stay out of it. And ultimately Kyle 
would prefer to stay out of it, right? I don't think he wants to be putting his hand in the defense. Um, I, you know, he doesn't want to be screaming on the headset on the last drive. He'd rather be just clock managing and uh, thinking about his next play call. So I don't think that's entirely a bad thing, but I do see why why Rex would be, Rex specifically would be a tough just personality uh, fit for the 49ers. Antonio, super chat, Wilkes kept, uh, Wilkes keeps getting a real deal. He, oh, a raw deal, I think, is what Antonio is saying here. He was brought in with no coaches and was asked to learn to adjust for a foreign system and only give him one year to do it. Fair? I mean, there's no fair or unfair. Uh, they put him in a tough spot. It was probably not Kyle's preferred method. It didn't work. They moved on. So, tough spot. Yeah, difficult spot for Steve Wilkes. That's why I said it's not about scapegoating. It's just about figuring out how do you fit? You have a problem. Do you have a problem? Yes, there is a problem. What do we have to do to fix the problem? We've got to try to find another solution. The solution after Sala and D'Amico, the, the solution after Sala was an obvious solution. Sala's gone. We got D'Amico. He's Johnny Holland's assistant linebacker coach. Bam, D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator. D'Amico leaves. There was not an obvious replacement for him. So they tried something. Less than ideal. It didn't check every box. It didn't work. So you move on. I don't think it's, you know, there's no fair or unfair. I think you absolutely have to acknowledge that Steve Wilkes was in a tough spot. No question about it. It didn't work for whatever reason. So now they're going to try another solution and hopefully this works. Now, Crocky's thing was like, go with Johnny Holland. Is Kyle going to be more likely to go internal candidate now because of all the challenges? Uh, of having somebody fit in. I don't think you have to. You just have to find somebody who fits. And um, that's where I wonder. I didn't actually get to it ultimately with Crocky, but would he be less inclined to go secondary coach? It shocked me. It shocked me when I started doing college football games. um, And the first time I talked to an offensive coordinator who had a run game coordinator, and I always thought that those titles were just kind of meaningless. Oh, I'm the, I'm the OC and the pass game coordinator, and that guy's the run game coordinator. And then uh, after meeting with him, I talked to my analyst, and the analyst goes, he doesn't know the run game. I said, well, how can he call plays if he doesn't know the run game? And he goes, well, that's a problem. He's not going to be very good at it. He doesn't understand the run game. Now, sometimes guys will lean on their – and I've been around those meetings a lot in college football, not as much in the NFL – The week before I call a game on TV, you have meetings with the OC, the DC, and the head coach. And sometimes I've been in meetings where they bring in two coordinators. Um, They'll bring in the run game and the pass game coordinator on offense or defense. It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens sometimes. And um, I like when that has happened because it gives you a chance to really figure out, so how do you do this? Who's calling the plays? And usually the way they do it is one person is calling the plays. When it comes time for a, let's say the pass game coordinator is calling the plays, which is generally i think how it goes when he's like i need to run here then he clicks over to the run game coordinator or not clicks over he just says the run game coordinator what do you got give me your best play and the run game coordinator gives him a play but that's a you know it's it's a little too collaborative i think for my taste and 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 it's uh you know you want one guy making those calls i think now sometimes people are always going to weigh in but that's that can get a little bit messy anyway so the question is like, does every not every secondary coach is going to be that way, right? Um, but it does take effort. It does take time to figure out, and that's where a linebacker is involved in both levels. Maybe has a, an easier learning curve on that kind of stuff if you're if you're going with a um, with a younger guy. Bobo says Kyle should call the defense next season so he can finally blame himself and then fire himself. Kyle doesn't want anything to do with the defense. I don't think he wants to do any of that stuff. I don't think he wants to jump in on any of that stuff. Uh, but the head coach doesn't fire himself. As Jed York once said, the owner doesn't fire himself. Okay. Um, Non-Steve Wilkes related, but a couple other things I wanted to get to. Update, interesting update on the NFL overtime rules. Uh, this was from uh, ESPN analytics expert Brian Burke. This is from two years ago. Okay, this is two years ago. He did a he did one hundred twenty thousand simulations of the new overtime rules that we just saw play out in the Super Bowl. And so the question is, did Kyle Shanahan do the right thing or the wrong thing taking the football first? And uh, here's what the simulation said: 
if the second possession, uh, blah, blah, blah. okay, here we go. The team with the first possession wins 50.29% of the time, assuming the team with the second possession didn't go for two if they match the TD. So slight advantage to taking the football first in the new NFL playoff overtime, as long as the second team doesn't try to go for two. Uh, but the Chiefs had said they were going to go for two. Uh, he goes on to say, if the team with the second possession goes for two to match the TD, the team with the first possession wins 50.19% of the time. Very slight difference. Bottom line, if you want the first possession, uh, a bottom line on those results, you'd want the first possession. You would want the first possession. And you want to go for two on the second possession. So uh, in a bizarre way, both Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid played it correctly. I did not have any issue with Kyle after the game or in the moment, although I did disagree with his logic about getting the ball third. For me, the logic was your defense was just on the field for 11 snaps. Give him a rest. If you've seen the NFL films footage that came out yesterday, the Chiefs were very excited that the Niners took the ball. Pat Mahomes goes running to the sideline and he's saying, they took the ball, they took the ball. And uh, Travis Kelsey says, this is what we wanted. They got the ball. This is what we wanted. So they were very, very mentally ready for what all of that meant. And while I like Kyle's logic, also I can say, I think you got to take the ball second in that spot. You know, 120,000 simulations is different than you are playing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And I'm not second-guessing Kyle now. I, I have to stick with what I said as my opinion, right, in the moment. It's easy three, four, five, six, seven days later with more information to start changing it. I still think his defense was in a tough spot, and I still think it would have put Brock in a little bit of a difficult spot to give him the ball second. But moving forward, I think having seen it play out now, I would, cha I would change the way I felt in the moment, which is you just ultimately know what you have to do when you take the ball second. You know if you're going to go for two. You know if a field goal wins the game. You know fourth and one from uh, the 30-yard line. What do you do? Are you kicking a field goal to tie? Are you going for it? What, what are you doing? And those advantages, I think, outweigh uh, getting the ball third. You know, um, It does make me think also, when you're talking about getting the ball third, you're either talking about two things. You're talking about they kick a field goal, we kick a field goal. I guess you're talking about three things. You're talking about we don't score, they don't score. Or you're talking about they score a touchdown, we score a touchdown, and don't go for two. It makes me think Kyle would not have gone for two had they gotten the ball second. If the Chiefs scored a touchdown, went for the extra point up by seven, the Niners scored a touchdown, what would Shanahan have done? I, he hasn't answered that question. I hadn't thought about it till this morning, but – I think he would have kicked the extra point. I don't know. I, that'd be a question for him. I'm sure he's talked about it. Maybe he knows the answer, but um, it makes me think that he. Uh, it makes me think that he would not have gone for two. If you're thinking, uh, well, guy, it's Thursday and uh, the Super Bowl loss still hurts. Well, there's numbers for that too. Uh, FTN Fantasy is what used to be Football Outsiders. These are the people that invented. DVOA. Okay. Football Outsiders invented DVOA, which is a stat that maybe a lot of you have heard thrown around. It's a, it's a measure of how much better than average you are factoring in the down and distance of every play. And using DVOA, they have, uh, uh, oops, I didn't put that up on the screen. Using DVOA, they have uh, determined the uh, top 10 NFL dynasties. And their explanation of it was really good. Their explanation is this is not just about who's won X amount of Super Bowls in X amount of years. It's also about getting deep into the playoffs. So the Kansas City Chiefs are now the 10th ranked dynasty based on this DVOA me uh, uh, metric, the 18-year run of the Patriots and the uh, the 49ers from 81 to 98 are number two in dynasty ranks. And uh, as you know, if you're a Niner fan, if you're a Patriots fan, that doesn't just factor in winning Super Bowls. That factors in how deep in the playoffs you go in other years. So you got the Chiefs with three Super Bowl wins. They advanced to another AFC championship game and they went to another Super Bowl. So that's how they factor in. And that's why they moved into the top 10. We're not so much here to talk about the top 10 dynasties. We're here to talk about the top 10 
Dynasties of Heartbreak, which uh, which FTN uh, Fantasy broke down this week. And the 49ers have moved into 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10th place just in four years. You look at some of these long-running dynasties, they're 14 years of heartbreak or 10 years of heartbreak. The Niners' four-year run has been so heartbreaky that they are now a top 10 dynasty of heartbreak based on 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023, five-year run. Uh, here's what FTN Fantasy wrote. You get more heartbreak points for advancing further in the playoffs and more heartbreak points for losing close games rather than blowouts. Check, check for the 49ers. Uh, well, you don't get much closer than losing a lead in overtime of the Super Bowl and still losing. San Francisco joins the 1990 Bills and the 2016 Falcons as the only teams in the Super Bowl era to earn the maximum 200 points of playoff heartbreak in a single year. So there you go. If you needed uh, numbers to back up your heartbreak, they've got them. Congrats. You, uh, you win a Super Bowl, by the way, and all this gets washed away. And that's where I think um, <laughs> and that's where I think that uh, what comes next is is so interesting. Um, the other NFL films, I could watch the I could watch the NFL films Super Bowl stuff all day long. It's on the CW. I'm not exactly sure. I think it streams today. It's like the inside the NFL stuff with uh, Ryan Clark and Jay Cutler and Ocho and those guys. Um, so I've just been seeing a lot of the clips on social. I haven't actually watched the show yet, but I, I love every year when that show comes out just to watch that whole show of everybody mic'd up during the Super Bowl. And there's a really touching moment on the bench. Fred Warner, after Dre Greenlaw got hurt. Now, you remember, Dre Greenlaw gets hurt. The Niners run out on the field. I'm watching the game going, he clearly just popped an Achilles. How are they going to handle this? And they actually they played well. But then they get to the bench, and Warner is – it looks like he's in tears on the sideline. And uh, Nick Bosa is trying to console him. Warner's sitting, if you haven't seen the clip, and Bosa's talking into his ear, and he's just saying, I'm so sorry, man. Like, we got to find a way through this. And Warner is really having a tough time. And um, obviously he did find a way through it. Fred played excellent in the game, despite seeing – you know, I think people – the thing about Warner and Greenlaw is there's other linebackers on the team. But when you go to a Niners practice, and some of you maybe have been to the open practices, if you're if you're a Niner fan, um, I've been to a lot of them, and I've watched these guys in training camp. When they break off into individual, when they break off into position drills, it's Fred and Dre and Johnny Holland. Now, other times there are other linebackers there, but often it's just the two of them together. That's it. There's not another linebacker with them. It's just Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw doing like tennis ball drills, catching the ball or doing whatever, playing catch. I think Greenlaw's left-handed. Um, so they spend a lot of time together. And, you know, I said this during the year, and I said it definitely after the Super Bowl this week. Coming back from losing heartbreaking games this many times is really challenging. And this team is really going to get tested this offseason. Their leadership is going to get tested this offseason. Can you come back ready to chase it again? Or are you too worn out? That's going to be a big question for this team. And knowing that they're going to have to play next year for half the year, a good portion of the year, without Dre Greenlaw, even if he comes back next season, you know, there's Achilles. It's usually the year after you come back where you finally get, if you're going to get back to your old self, where that happens, right? Let's say it's a nine-month injury and he comes back, whatever, November 1st. November 1st, he's not just back to Dre Greenlaw, right? If he's ever going to get back there, you figure that's 2020. That's like September 1st of 2025, maybe when he finally gets back there. So who knows what's going to happen here? Um, but I think if I'm Kyle, if I'm the 49ers, one of my hopes, and I don't think you can verbalize this to anybody, but I'd be keeping a close eye on Dre Greenlaw. And my hope would be that Dre Greenlaw's the amount of effort that Dre Greenlaw is going to have to put in here to continue his career and to get back to who he was, because he's still in his athletic prime from an age standpoint. Um, maybe that could be a source of inspiration for my team, right? That's what I'm thinking. It's like, I don't want Dre Greenlaw away from this team 
as he's rehabbing because these guys have to go through something mentally very difficult now, which is find a way to get their mind ready to go all the way back to the Super Bowl after they've been so close so many times. And seeing Dre Greenlaw fight for his career every day, which is what Dre Greenlaw is going to be doing, I think could be a good source of perspective for the 49ers. If Dre Greenlaw is doing this, working this hard to get back to us, what kind of team are we going to be for him when he gets back? And I, you know, if I'm them, that's how I'm thinking of it. Um, to try and turn this negative into a positive because they're going to need it. They are going to need inspiration. I know Kyle said all these guys love football. Oh, you know, the great thing about this team, all these guys love football. No doubt. But anybody who's ever tried to accomplish anything knows you get knocked down. Sometimes you need a little, you need a little help. And uh, I think they're going to have to encourage Greenlaw, but I think Greenlaw can be a source of, I think he can be a source of uh, strength and inspiration for them. And um, they're going to need it. They're going to need it. So um, do the shoes suck? Dale asks. I don't know. Or is it just something weird? I mean, you ha- you have to ask the question, did practicing on the soft field last week leading up to the Super Bowl affect him in any way? He's had some Achilles tendonitis over his career. Did the Did the practice field? lead him to this? I mean, that I, you know, I don't think that question was asked, but that question was that, that question should be asked. Um, so comment, bringing in a new DC will probably help with motivation of the team next year. Maybe. I mean, that person's coming into, if they're coming in from the outside, a unique situation, right? All these guys have been through a lot together and you're stepping in. You better know your stuff. Like the next guy better really have these guys. Um, he better know it as well as them and better than them because they're just such an accomplished group. Andre says, uh, Greenlaw being out was huge. You cannot replace him. The injury is big for his career. It will affect his speed. He won't be ready. Bring back Aziz Alshire. What's his contract situation? Is he a free agent? I don't think so. Is he? Oh, he is. No, they signed him last year as unrestricted free agent in Tennessee. You gonna trade for him? Three year blah blah blah. Uh Aziz Al Shire. Yeah, he's available. Okay. You could bring Vrabel can bring him. How about that? Uh, Salah's not leaving the Jets yet. Uh, comment, does Kyle need no C? No, he's a fantastic offensive coordinator. Flaws, everybody does, has mistakes, whatever. But uh, no, non-starter. All right, lot lot got in the show today. Appreciate all you guys being here. Um, hit that like button. Appreciate that if you're watching. Subscribe to the channel if you're watching. Share it. That'd be awesome. If you're listening, you can watch it. If you're listening, five stars on Apple Podcasts, thank you. And a uh, a question. Leave a question in your review for the mailbag, and, and we'll start to get back to those things uh, as well. I have one more question I want to get to, actually. Somebody asked me a question on X. Uh, this is from Gabriel. He said, what would make it more likely for Belichick to get a head coaching job in 2025? A year in the booth or a year as a defensive coordinator with an elite defense and a chance at a Super Bowl? Or... Is he just a lock to get a gig next year, given his resume? Well, you would have thought he was a a lock to get a gig this year, given his resume. He wasn't. Um, I don't think he needs one versus the other. You know, going into the booth can be very good for your career. Owners see you. Owners make the hire. You look smart on TV, and um, people want you. Every year you're in the booth, you get more attractive, I think. (laughs) It happened with John Gruden that way until finally the Raiders paid him $100 million. Um, you know, if McVay walked away and went to the booth, McVay would be more expensive when he came out of the booth because you get paid a lot of money in the booth. The flip side of that is you win a Super Bowl as the defensive coordinator with the Niners. You know, you you show people you can work with others, although I don't know that he cares about that. So I don't I think Bill, I think either way, Bill, Bill will be back if he if he wants to be back. But 
uh, you know, feels like a pipe dream, but I'd love to see it. And uh, here's for everyone who says like, ah, oh, that's not happening. You might be right, but Kyle Shanahan is picking up the phone and making that phone call. They are making that phone call. You have to make that phone call. Okay. That's that for this. All you guys. Thanks guys. You're guys. I'm guys for being here. And um, we'll talk to everybody soon. Later y'all. Save big on your Memorial day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.